Want to help your teachers save over 10 hours per week? Introduce them to School AI. It's not just a tool, it's a partner in the classroom. With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time learning data, and provide one-on-one tutoring. Plus, it's free for teachers. Visit SchoolAI.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. That's SchoolAI.com. Focal Point K-12 is an innovative tool that helps teachers and students manage student portfolios. It provides a digital portfolio for students to store their work, set and track their own learning goals, and earn credentials and industry certifications. The platform also uses blockchain technology to ensure the security and safety of student data. Teachers can use Focal Point K-12's real-time dashboards to track student progress and save time with AI-assisted scoring. To learn more, visit focalpoint.education. Principles. Research shouldn't be a maze for students. Scribble offers a unified platform streaming the research and writing process. It integrates with major educational tools, ensures authentic student work, and provides educators with real-time insights. Elevate your school's academic rigor. Learn more at scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E dot com. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am so excited to have Kaylin Sharp on the program. Kaylin is a highly versatile leader, technologist, entrepreneur, engineer, and investor. He is passionate about technology, education, and building things that matter. He's a serial entrepreneur, and he has participated in lots of failed startups, which uh, we're probably not going to get into, but that sounds like a great story on the side. He's the founder of uh, Deb Mountain. He started the micro-schooling craze with Prenda, and he's now CTO and co-founder at School AI which is a sponsor of the uh, Summer of AI series here on Transformative Principle. Kaylin, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jethro. Excited to be here. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me your favorite startup failure that you've been involved in, and then I'll tell you mine also. (laughs) Uh, Well, one of my favorites would have to be um, I had some friends and we had this crazy idea of creating this incentivized polling system. So I don't know if you remember, you, I'm sure you probably remember, but back in the day before there was things like Reddit and uh, Stack Overflow to find people asking questions and getting answers to those questions, you had to troll through these forums and go through pages and pages and pages of answers. And so we thought, well, what if we created this system where you could upvote or downvote people's answers, right? Which that sounds totally like, duh, obvious nowadays, but back then it was kind of a novel thing. We wanted to create this like game around it where it was like every day there was a new question of the day and the best answers got you know prizes and things like that. It was a little bit more a little bit more niche than like a Stack Overflow or something like that. Uh-huh. But uh, we 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 really I mean I built this whole system and these badges and levels and points and all this stuff and it was so fun. It was honestly a blast and I thought we had something really great. But we ultimately had no business model behind it. We had no idea what we were doing. None of us had really built you know built anything like this before. And so it just sort of died. 
Um, and uh, it was funny because we all kind of thought about it as like, wow, that was such a cool thing. Why couldn't we ever get that to work? And then of course, like, you know, four or five years later, Reddit became the front page of the internet and yeah. was like the tool everybody used. And, you know, this upvote downvote system was just a normal thing. And it was, it was kind of cool on both sides because on the one hand it was like, okay, clearly we did not execute the way that we thought we needed. You know, the, we didn't know what we were doing ultimately. And that's why we couldn't get it off the ground. At the same time, it was also kind of validation. Like we were onto something, right? We knew, we, we knew what the problem was. We just didn't have a good way to, you know, build a solution or get it out there. And so maybe that's a good example of a, of a failure where it's like, you know, a lot of people talk about ideas like, oh, if I'd had that idea. And really it's not about the idea. It's about being able to execute it and actually get it out there in front of people. And so that was a good failure for us. Yeah, that's good. So mine is, uh, there's this thing called Startup Weekends. You were probably yeah. part of those, right? Yep. Startup Weekend Provo. Do you remember that one? Mm -hmm. So I was at that one and I created this thing with a group of people called Draw My Doll, where you take a little drawing that the kid does and then you turn it into a physical doll. And we got the app, we got it all created, made it work, like had a system and a process for doing everything. And then uh, I, was like, okay, thanks everybody. I got it from here, which was like the stupidest thing I ever could have done because I didn't know how to do anything. And uh, and I just had the idea. And, uh, and then a couple, probably like nine months later, once I like said, okay, this isn't working, I just shut everything down. Um, I saw Oprah Winfrey had someone on who was doing the exact same thing and made like, um, a hundred million dollars or something from this business. And I was like, oh, that that would have been that would have been good if I would have not been so uh egotistical thinking that I could do it all myself and would have relied on others. I, yeah. So that that was mine. And I put a link here in the show notes if you're listening and you want to go see what that actually looked like because we made a beautiful promotional video and it was it was awesome. And it it actually was really cool. Uh but my own hubris got in the way, which is unfortunate. So that's a, there's a little lesson you learn. for everybody. That's, yeah. you learn. that's right. So anyway, uh, so there's that. So in our conversation today, what, uh, what do you think people need to walk away from based on what we're talking about? What should they look forward to hearing today? Um, I would say that if you're somebody who's heard about AI, especially, and, and what it means for you or for your kids, what it means for education specifically, um, whether you should, you know, fear that it's going to take over the world or make us into, you know, more productive, more uh, able to learn human beings, then then this this is a great episode for you. Cool. I I really appreciate how you are answering the question around data and privacy and what to do about that. And my favorite part of that is that you are honest that you don't know the answer and that you're okay with that. Uh, because I think that that is, that is really powerful, but the way that you are approaching it, I think is good and definitely something that, uh, you know, we need to be paying attention to over time. So I thank you for that. I'll get to my interview here with Kaylin in just a moment. Time is a precious commodity. As a principal, you know this all too well. Between lesson planning, grading, and providing personalized feedback, the hours in a day can quickly disappear. What if you could help your teachers get some of that time back? Introducing School AI. School AI is not just a tool, it's your teacher's partner in the classroom. Help your teachers save over 10 hours a week on busy work, allowing them to focus on what they do best, teaching. 
With School AI, teachers can plan courses in minutes, get real-time data on learning, and even provide one-on-one tutoring for every student. School AI also provides a FERPA-compliant chat GPT experience. But that's not all. School AI's co-teacher feature is like a personal assistant, adapting daily lessons to student interests, checking for understanding, and even automating parent communication. And the best part, it's free for teachers. So if you're ready to reclaim your time and transform your school with the power of AI, visit schoolai.com today. School AI, the classroom operating system of the future. Visit them at schoolai.com. Kaylin, tell us about, well, you did Prenda. Tell us about that experience, what that was like building that, what you, why you got into that and made that uh, something that was so powerful. And also the timing of that was just amazing, by the way. So uh, some people don't know what Prenda is. So give us a little overview of that situation first. Yeah, of course. So Prenda um, <clears throat> began, well, I, I connected with a friend of mine out of Arizona that was working on a concept um, that involved helping libraries to launch uh, kids coding curriculum. So, you know, after school coding programs run by the library. And uh, one of the challenges they were having, I kind of was initially just sort of advising and helping out with them. But one of the challenges they were having was these librarians, well, recruiting actual software developers to teach these after-school classes was really challenging, especially in areas where maybe it was a bit more rural and these librarians were kind of on an island saying, we'd love to do this curriculum, but we have no idea how to teach it. And so they sort of flipped the model from having um, you know, experienced seasoned software engineers teaching these classes to kids to librarians teaching the, the, the classes to kids. And it was kind of this like total shift in how you help somebody prepare to teach a subject that maybe they themselves aren't very familiar with. And so they totally redesigned the approach based on that premise. And they sort of stumbled on this way to approach helping kids learn something that was, that was a lot more focused around the student rather than what the teacher had experience in or had a basic knowledge of. So it was a lot more focused on the method than it was the content and, and helping kids to walk through the curriculum themselves using tools, using things that were available out there. It was a really powerful model. And so learning from that, my, my friend Kelly Smith um, in just you know suburban Mesa, Arizona decided to try an experiment. And he convinced, um, I think it was eight families to take their kids out of school and send those kids instead to his house and they were of varying ages, but but mostly uh, junior high age. And he and he basically held a micro school in his own home. This was in um, 2017, I believe. And so he kind of was just experimenting with it himself uh, as he was going through it, trying to figure out like, okay, if this weren't me doing this, how would I do this? How would I help support another um, another person that was doing? Started calling these people guides, you know, people that could help children work through you know, topics like math, English, uh, reading, uh, that sort of thing, kind of the core subjects, and then giving them, giving them a lot of autonomy and, you know, a lot of freedom to kind of explore things at their own pace, set their own goals. Uh, and he really acted more as a cheerleader, a coach, a facilitator, um, focused a lot on social, you know, kind of social dynamics and debates and Socratic discussions and things like that. And it was a really powerful, uh, really powerful model and, and started to get a lot of interest from other people in the community saying, how can we be a part of this? How can we, you know, help our kids with, with this sort of thing? And a lot of the people that were initially 
attracted to this model were people, uh, and you could kind of categorize them in a few different ways, but I would maybe oversimplify it to say that, you know, you had parents that were unsatisfied with what the traditional experience was giving them for whatever reason. It could be disagreements with how things were being taught. It could be that their child had particular needs, whether they were maybe academically advanced or maybe academically they were struggling, that they didn't really fit the one size fits all kind of treadmill model, or they lived in rural areas where the the schools just were really struggling and they just didn't have a lot of options, right? And so they started to see um, just a whole bunch of different types of folk coming out of the woodwork interested in this model. And so the, the, when I joined, it really became the question we were trying to answer, you know, ask ourselves was how can we help, it was typically moms, how can we help moms to create these classrooms in their living rooms and give them the support and the resources they need to actually help these students to be successful. And, um, and so we spent a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of, uh, you know, <laughs> it's very emotional work. These, these moms are, um, I don't know the best way to put it, but they're just, they're really putting themselves out there, right? They're, they're, they're taking on the burden of helping these kids, you know, figure out what their future is going to look like. And uh, as a result, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of care, a lot of, uh, a lot of support that these, that these guides needed. And so anyway, the business, the, the, the company, the mission really was all about empowering learners still is right. It's, it's a wonderful company. And I still have uh, many friends, including Kelly, uh, Kelly Smith, the, the CEO still over there. And it was just a really, it was an amazing experience in helping, helping people who, again, were sort of dissatisfied with the status quo to, to experiment with a new direction and, and watch it really take hold. I mean, there was some really cool stories where students would come in, you know, a couple um, grade levels behind in math or reading, and they would end the year doing much, much better, in some cases, even getting ahead. And those were the kind of stories that kept us going. They were the stories that really fueled the, the guides' experiences. And, and it was so fun to see how different these individual micro schools could be. We would go visit some in rural areas where the kids were, you know, going out for breaks, and they were petting the goats, or they were helping with the baby goats. And in other areas, they had these cool playground setups and, and pirate ships and stuff. And it was just, it, part of it was so neat just to see the diversity and all the different uh, things that a guide could bring to the table, both from their community and from themselves. And so we, we started working on that, you know, before the pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit in 2020, it was suddenly like, you know, we never, ever imagined that the president of the United States would be talking about homeschooling. You know, and and suddenly it was like, you know, the entire and not just for us, but for the entire education industry, everything was just turned completely upside down. And so we went through a really difficult period of trying to figure out how we were going to support people in that environment and what we were and what we weren't going to do. And 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 getting caught on different sides of the political battles that ensued from that. It was just it was a crazy, crazy time. Um, But but still, again, the mission uh, for Prenda continues to be just empowering learners and helping them to figure out, you know, to take control and to take, uh, to, to be an active role and participant in their, in their education. And that's something I, I think just sort of t- stepping back for a second, that's something that I've always felt deeply about. And it's one of the reasons that attracted me to Prenda in the first place was because I, you know, I got into Dev Mountain, for example, because I wanted to take students who were really actively engaged and cared and were ready to learn and help them get to wherever they wanted to go as fast as possible. And, uh, and, and many times at Dev Mountain, we would kind of make the sort of comment along these lines. It was sort of like, if we could only help kids younger, 
to yeah. learn how to be more actively engaged in their education, to take uh, an active role, to take responsibility over their education, like this would be natural for everybody. One of the first things we had to do at Dev Mountain was to sort of like deprogram people from what they thought school was going to be. Because when people came to this boot camp, they would, some of them would sit in the back and just sort of like expect that, that if they survived the 12 week program, just sort of being there and passively being a part of the, the experience that they would be fine. And it, we had to quickly, you know, sort of dispel any, any myths like that and say, look, you are going to get out of this, what you put into it, which of course is how education is in general, but we sort of don't really get, that doesn't really get reinforced because of all of the different sentence incentives and ways things are set up and so on and so forth. So anyway. Well, and, and here's yeah. the amazing thing, Kaylin, is that uh, that is not actually how the education system works. The education system, that is how learning works, but yeah. that is not how the education system works. And so uh, our traditional well said, yeah. K-12 public school model is really about surviving uh, and making it through and being part of an assembly, being a cognitive machine. And real learning is about 100% what you put in, you get out. And yeah. it is it is only based on that. And that's where there's this important distinction between learning and going to school or education. And, and I think that that's really important. I think this is a good place also to segue into what you're doing now with School AI, because there's... Um, the 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 onset of accessible artificial intelligence has made it possible for people to to really do things differently. So talk to us about what you're doing with school AI and and how that same vision of helping kids learn or or teachers learn or anybody learn based on the learner rather than based on the content. Tell us about what you're doing now and, and what's exciting there. Absolutely. And I, I think um, I think empowerment is another really good word to use here because, yeah. uh, you know, you think about how, you know, how, how empowered is a, is a child or, a, or any human being with the right tools in their hands, right? Whether it be calculators or personal computers or, uh, you, you know, even things like rudimentary tools, right? They, they make our lives easier. They give us the power to do the things, get leverage to do things that maybe we couldn't do otherwise, or at least would be very, very difficult. And I see AI, I think a lot of us here see AI in that light. AI is, is an empowering tool, potentially. It can obviously, it's, it's a tool. So in and of itself, it doesn't necessarily have, you know, a thing that it does, but it's how we use it. And I, and I think, I believe that um, if we put these tools in the hands of people like educators, in the hands of people like students, and, and set them up for success, then it can be an extremely empowering tool. One of my favorite descriptions of AI, as you can imagine, since I've been, you know, working in a field or in a company that has like AI in the name, I've had people just ask me, what is this thing about AI? What's, what's going on? Some people very almost fearfully asking me, like, is, is AI going to take over the world? Like, what's the oh, deal? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I totally understand the sense of concern, especially with how much things have changed over the last year with AI. But I, one of my favorite descriptions to give of AI is I, I say, look, and this is not my idea, but I read it somewhere. Uh, I said, what would you do if you had um, an assistant next to you that was super intelligent? right? Somebody you could sit, sit next to you at all times and you could ask them any question you want. And they were super intelligent. How would you use that? What would you do with that? And when you put it that way, people start asking the right questions. Well, I would, I would have them help me with my homework, or I'd have them help me uh, figure out this complex problem that I'm facing at work, or I'd have them look at my writing and, and see how I could improve, right? And, and that's, frankly, I think one of the first ways that AI can be uh, an empowering tool, a really uh, a, a force for change in, in education, 
I, I told my kids, I, I spent uh, some time when I was first diving deep into the, the landscape of AI at the first of the year, kind of understanding the current state of everything. We were on a, a road trip and I was listening to these podcasts and these YouTube videos of people kind of going into it. And I was just like constantly having my mind blown uh, as to what these tools could do. And I would every 15 minutes or so, I would take off my headphones and look at my wife and say, this is going to change everything. This is going to change everything. Um, and, and I and I was just sort of geeking out and she's sitting there like, oh boy, here we go again. <laughs> Me getting excited about some new thing. Um, but but AI truly, it, it is going to change everything. One of the things I'm telling my kids right now, I have two older ones that are going to finish high school in the next few years, but my two younger ones, especially, I said, by the time you go to college or whatever you decide to do after high school, you will have access to a personal tutor, AI tutor that can teach you or help you learn just about anything you want to learn. Uh, it can look at your your strengths and your your you know your your likes and dislikes and the things that you enjoy doing. And it can customize content and tutoring and and help to to tailor anything to your to your personal learning style. I know maybe isn't the right word to use, but it, it's it it can basically tailor any content to, to you. And that's really you know. And you can look at that from a teacher's perspective too. What would you do as a teacher if you had some super intelligent assistant that was always ready to help you and always ready to, to give you feedback and, and contribute? And, and that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to build at School AI, things that will help empower teachers to create meaningful experiences with students, um, for students to create meaningful experiences with learning, and then ultimately to help everybody surface the right kind of insights, the right kind of information so that we all know what's going on. I think Caleb and I both come from backgrounds of teaching. He came from a public background. I came from a more adult education, uh, private background. And one of the things that we both talk about is we always, the biggest question in our minds was how is, how is everybody doing in the class? You finish going through a subject and you're kind of trying to look, get some visual, you know, verbal, nonverbal feedback. Okay. What's everybody's feeling on this? And that's one of the biggest hinge points in your teaching is like, okay, is everybody on board? Do we've got 50% of the class on board and 50% we got to figure something out to help get them caught up. Um, so, so surfacing that kind of meaningful information as to where everybody's at in the class and who's, who's doing well, who's struggling, what, you know, what challenges are they facing? That, that's the kind of information that can really superpower a teacher's experience and help them be, you know, we're already, uh, I don't, again, I don't think this is my phrase. I've brought it from somebody here at the company, but teachers are some of the most under-resourced, overworked people around, right? And so giving them um, some tools so that they can actually, um, you know, function at a higher level and do more with less is I, hopefully empowering. And I definitely think it's life-changing for students when it's done the right way. Yeah. And I think this idea of teachers understanding where their kids are at is so vital to the education and learning process. And I say that intentionally, the education process of what we were talking about before, that there's like a process we go through to move kids along. And that has been very opaque, despite teachers' best efforts for a very long time. Um, but you're trying to build something that makes it so that teachers can see how kids are really doing. And and while multiple choice tests do not give you the best answers, but they make it really easy to grade, right? And they make it really yeah. easy for you to see how people are doing. But the questions that do give better answers are open-ended where kids can say what's really going on, but those take so much longer to grade. It's nearly impossible for you to do that. So tell us about some of the things you're doing to make it easier for teachers to understand how kids are doing right in the moment and, and what that really looks like. And feel free to be a little bit nerdy and explain 
what you're doing so that so that we can really grasp it because uh, I've seen it and I've seen it work and it's really amazing and I want to make sure that people understand uh, how cool it can be when it's when it's in the hands of somebody who is like like you said at the beginning focused on learning that's focused on the student not just focused on the content I think that's that's such a powerful place to start from and so yeah. different from what we usually have. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one of the areas that we're most excited about right now is this thing that we're calling spaces, uh, which are teachers, you know, teacher generated, but student facing uh, chat sessions that can accomplish a variety of goals for the teacher and surface a bunch of meaningful data. So I'll give you a couple of, of examples. You, you get into class and as a teacher, maybe you're starting a, a new unit. Maybe, maybe you're a junior high English teacher. You want to start talking about Edgar Allan Poe or something like that. You want to find out maybe which of your students have even heard about Edgar Allan Poe before. And maybe you want to like reinforce, um, you know, some kind of personal connection with them, like find out, you know, uh, what was their favorite thing they did over the summer. Right. Um, so in our tool, we, we give you the ability to create a bell ringer. We call it a pulse bell ringer pulse, kind of this pulse check idea where you're, you're trying to figure out where your students are at. So you create this bell ringer space and uh, you put in some data in there. You say, here's what I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I want to know, you know, the question I want to ask the students is what was your favorite thing you did over the summer? And that creates a um, Kahoot style session where the students can all join. They'll have these individual chat uh, sessions with a chat bot and the chat bot is asking them all in a very conversational, personal, informal tone. You know, hey, how, how's it going, Susie? What was your summer like? What was your favorite thing you did this summer? And she's answering and then it starts asking her about Edgar Allan Poe and it maybe is giving her some some little insights, but getting her excited about what's coming up. And it takes maybe, you know, five minutes or so. The teacher in the meantime is getting some real time insights of, you know, what were my students favorite activities over the summer? Oh, I can see that, you know, five of them spent time at, you know, Lake Powell or something. So I can maybe mention that uh, as a part of my lesson or, or, or connect with those students afterwards and say, hey, I've been there, it was so fun or something like that, you know, kind of reinforcing some of the social connection. And at the same time, I can also see like, here's how everybody's feeling about the lesson. Nobody's ever heard of Edgar Allan Poe before. Okay, so I need to start from the very, very basics, right? Uh, the other side of that we call the pulse exit ticket uh, is, is where maybe you finish teaching a lesson. Maybe we can switch gears for a second. And you're talking about photosynthesis or something and maybe a seventh grade biology class. And you've went through all of your different learning outcomes for the session and you feel like you've done a pretty good job, but you also have no idea really where everybody stands in, in regards to what you've taught. So you have all the students fire up a, an exit ticket, very similar experience. You as the teacher go in and put in some you know, inputs and then fire up the session and the students all join. And now this chat bot has a little bit different direction where it's kind of working through each of the learning outcomes with the student. And it's trying to figure out where they're at with each of those learning outcomes. Now it's not giving them like a multiple choice assessment. We're not gonna put this in a grade book or anything, but it's giving back the teacher some directional data as to how the student feels confident or you know what their experience was with each of those learning outcomes. And so you as a teacher start to get an idea, okay, half the class really understood my first two learning outcomes, nobody got the second two. So maybe we need to spend an extra day of review or maybe we need to have an extra you know kind of supplementary activity or something like that to reinforce those learning outcomes. The, the idea there being, you know, we, we sort of look at class in, in sort of three sections. You have kind of the beginning introductory part, you have the major instruction part, which there's so many things you could do there. And then you have this sort of exit ticket piece. And we think we can really, you know, initially be on both ends of that and give the teacher so much powerful data as to what's going on inside the class. Yeah. So a couple of cool things that I think are really neat from that. Number one, 
doing that pulse ticket at the beginning, you get to focus on some social emotional aspects, building relationships, helping kids know that you care about them and want to know what's going on with them, that you can actually have that information in a, in a quick, efficient manner, rather than having each kid stand up and give a two minute oral report of their summer. And by the way, say something about Edgar Allan Poe, whether or not they know about him. But then the other cool thing about that is, is that you can uh, bring in those things. And even I imagine have the chatbot work with the student to write a poem in the style of Edgar Allan Poe about their summer vacation, which would be like a really cool way to introduce them to poetry without it being like, oh, gross, I hate poetry. <laughs> a really neat way to like get them excited about what he could be writing about. Um, and, you know, Poe's got some really great stuff that is especially good for uh, for kids that it's a little scary, but not too scary and a little weird, but not too weird. And so you can do stuff uh, with his with his poetry that's really neat. And then on the exit ticket piece, I I taught a class, a language arts class, and I would uh, give these quizzes every week to see how kids were doing. And uh, and if kids didn't do well on the quiz and it was only like five questions, uh, maybe 10, but again, multiple choice. If you guessed, you could pass it. If you if you just tr tried a little bit, you could probably pass it. It was not that difficult, but nobody really liked doing it. The only reason kids went through with it is because if you passed it, then you got to go to an enrichment activity. And if you didn't pass it, then you had to go to a remediation activity, and which really wasn't fair to the kids either, because if if they didn't, if I would have known on Tuesday that they were struggling with something, I could have done something on Wednesday to make it so that they could understand what was going on. And especially with like getting an overall feel for a specific topic of nobody understood why sunlight is important for photosynthesis. And, oh man, I really, really messed up on that. So I need to take the time to make sure everybody gets that so that we can move on to the next thing so they can articulate it in a way that's not in a multiple choice question. I just think that that is that is really cool. Picture this, a student drowning in tabs, tools, and notes, struggling to piece together a research project. Sounds familiar, right? Now, imagine all of that streamlined under one roof. That's Scribble. Scribble is more than just a tool, it's a game changer. Students can curate, annotate, cite, and write all in one place. Collaborative annotations, check. Automatic citations, check. Real-time feedback for educators, you bet. And the best part is it's not just about making tasks easier, about freeing up time for higher level learning and critical thinking. Are you worried about AI plagiarism? With Scribble, students show their authentic work process, making it genuine and credible. And I mentioned it won the Soup's Choice Award for College and Career Readiness. So if you're ready to transform the way your school approaches research and writing, head over to scribble.com and see the magic for yourself. That's S-C-R-I-B-L-E.com. Let's talk a little bit about how you are focusing on the method rather than the content with that. And, and what is your goal when creating these kinds of, of spaces uh, for the pulse entrance and exit tickets? Yeah, I think the, those two are really good examples of there's not there's a desired 
uh, outcome, but there's maybe not a desired output in a sense of there's some sort of artifact or there's some sort of like grade level thing you need to be able to do. Uh, they, they give a lot of really interesting, valuable feedback and data to the teacher, but there's not like a right or wrong answer in every situation. And this is an important thing to consider with AI because we're not yet at the point where AI can be a reliable source of truth in every single instance, right? And, and you maybe you or your listeners maybe have toyed around with, uh, you know, ChatGPT and stuff to know that. Sometimes you ask ChatGPT something and it gives you an incorrect or at least an inaccurate answer. Maybe it gives you the wrong date or the wrong person. And, and that's just sort of a part of where the technology is at today. It's not quite reliable as a source of truth with a capital T. You know, we're kind of, we're, we're entering a space more from like a directional, how do we get important data, but also not have high stakes, uh, you know, high, these high stakes situations. And, and how do we focus on really what AI is good at, which is imaginative, um, you know, content. So another example of something that we're doing is like, what if you had like a choose your own adventure where you're exploring the geology of a volcano, right? And, and you're from the perspective of somebody who's exploring and you're, you're seeing these sides, you got to choose what you're going to do next. And each, each outcome leads to another situation. And so it's kind of this interactive role-playing thing and, and AI is really good at that stuff. And, and so there's a lot more engaging things that can be done with a student where it's maybe, uh, well, it's hopefully a lot better than like a worksheet or something, but also it's not like, you know, if, if you misunderstood a specific point in that, in that thing, you know, you're not going to like fail a, a quiz or something like that. Right. So that's kind of a little bit of the method that we're doing. Another thing that's probably interesting to talk about is, um, you know, we have these ongoing conversations between a chatbot and a student, and, and obviously we need to make sure those are, um, you know, safe. And that if the student's surfacing major, you know, red flags or concerns that the teacher's getting that information, but also we're trying to pull out specific types of insights from those conversations. And so, you know, we're trying to tell the teacher, like, is this conversation even on topic or not? You know, is the student asking about Fortnite when they're supposed to be talking about the water cycle or, um, you know, what, what are the things that the student is mentioning, especially if it's more of an open-ended thing, or, you know, maybe it's a, a writing workshop or, uh, maybe it's, you know, more of these conversational, what you did over the summer, what are some of the main themes of the conversation that the teacher can look at at a quick glance and summarize what's going on. We're also looking at things like sentiment, right? So is the student in a good mood? Are they happy to be there? Are, are they really annoyed? Are they tired? Are they bugged, right? Those kinds of, you know, just sentiment data can also really inform how a student and teacher are going to interact uh, during or after class. So so, you know, we kind of look at it as we have these ongoing threads of conversation, but then we're always looking at these conversations and analyzing and trying to pull out good data that will, you know, help the teacher. Ultimate goal being, you know, at the end, giving the teacher some actionable things that they can do. And this is another thing that AI will get better at is, you know, what do we do with this data? So just because you know that Johnny and Susie are struggling and, and, and Jacob and, and Allison aren't, what do you do with that? And, and hopefully we can do a good job at saying, here's some suggestions of activities you, you can do, or here's a draft of an email that you can send home to parents and, and kind of helping the, the again, the, these overworked and under-resourced teachers take the next step without, uh, you know, giving them more work to do. Yeah. Well, I want to go back to, to one thing that you talked about, which is that AI is not, not really good at being a source of truth and how that that's not your purpose. And, and what people are thinking is that, everybody's going to use AI to cheat. And really what you're saying is there's so such better uses of AI than just to do the same thing that we've always done. Like here are some really, really powerful ways to take something that you have done and make it more meaningful and powerful with these bell ringers and exit tickets that every teacher in the world has done 
numerous times, right? And so how do you make that a more effective and useful thing? And and instead of saying like, here's AI, it's going to give all of, give us all the answers. What we're really talking about is here's AI that's going to like make the experience better for everyone involved. And and that does matter a lot to kids who are going through the system. It matters to teachers who are interacting with kids on a daily basis. Those things, they're they're not insignificant and they they do make a big impact. And we've all heard stories of teachers who have remembered something about a kid and brought it up at the right time. And that kid has then, you know, said, wow, this teacher really changed my life because I know they really care. Um, and so that that brings us to this question of safety and and red flags. How are you managing that? Because this is a really sensitive area. You're collecting a ton more information about each of the students through these activities. How do you keep the kids safe? Keep them from, uh, you know, doing inappropriate things, but then also make sure that you're not uh, harvesting data and, you know, uh, still being able to be compliant with FERPA uh, yeah. at the very least as like the the price of admission, right? But then yeah. how do you take it a step further and make sure that you're really protecting their their privacy and not, not letting inappropriate things happen because there's so much more information about them out there? What are the steps you're taking to do that? Yeah, really important question and something that is always on our minds, especially as this space is moving and changing and tools are coming in and out. We always have to kind of keep the perspective on of, data privacy and, uh, you know, and, and security and things like that. Um, I, I actually just had a, a superintendent uh, cabinet the other day ask me this, a similar question. And the two ways that I think about it personally, and um, one way is there's a lot of built-in mechanisms that we use to try to surface the, um, you know, if, if there's a, a content uh, policy violation, let's say a kid is talking about something unsafe, like self-harm, right? There's, there's sort of two layers of that. Uh, one is the layer of the LLM itself. A lot of these tools have built-in content moderation processes that are uh, are pretty pretty good when it comes to data privacy and, and data retention and things like that. Most data, if they if they get flagged by content moderation, is only uh, persisting for 30 days just so that it can be reviewed and, and checked to see if, if it does in fact include harmful or, or uh, things that go against the guidelines so that you know, administrators and people that are involved, stakeholders can actually act on it. Um, so that's one level is sort of there's a systematic approach where there's, uh, you know, there's filters and there's alerts and things like that, where if content passes those or trips those alerts, then, you know, people that are uh, in the need to know circle can can know about those things. Beyond that, we only retain that data uh, as long as it needs to be, you know, to be evaluated against those filters. Um, we are still establishing kind of how long we retain student conversational data in general. We want to make sure it's around long enough for the teacher to do something about it. But obviously, you know, beyond the point where the teacher's even teaching the class anymore, you know, we'll do things like scrub the data. The second uh, area where we we look at this as being a solution for those sorts of things, and I think this is actually the most important is transparency, right? There's only so much we can do inside the tool, inside the, you know, the, the chat bot and the AI to make sure that the conversation is following the tone and the the goals that the teacher has set up for it. Um, and, and kids are smart, right? They're, they're extremely smart and resourceful and they're gonna find ways to you know, make it talk about things that you, know, you shouldn't talk about or whatever. And our, our main guard there is transparency. We're surfacing all of the conversations to the teacher. And we're, again, we're trying to pull out these insights and these, um, these evaluations so the teacher can quickly see 
you know, uh, Johnny's talking about something that's not appropriate and I need to go address it, right? Uh, so, so in that case, students may try to push, they will try to push the envelope, um, but the teacher will have the ability to act quickly in those, in those situations and, and, you know, know what's going on before it's too late. Yeah, so I'm hearing a twofold approach that one, some things are going to be automatic. Two, uh, it's very clear the teacher has access to everything. So whatever you put in there, you know, your teacher will be able to see. Uh, and and I think that that is um, that's certainly an approach for this kind of stuff where it's not high stakes and it's more about about the things that we've talked about. I don't rehash all of it, but though that transparency piece, I think, is important how would you deal with, and this is a hypothetical, so you may not have an answer. That's okay. <laughs> how would you deal with parents who want to see what their kids are chatting about and things like that? And where, you know, parents want to know is, you know, is my student having inappropriate conversations with the chat bot? And I want to know what all that is. Have you had any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the best answer for us right now is we want to make sure we do we do believe that parent. we know that parents are uh, an extremely important critical stakeholder in the whole process. Obviously, we don't want to just like cut them out of the picture um, by default. And in fact, we, we envision tools that will be built for parents down the road that hopefully will be just as empowering for them. One of the things my wife and I have been talking about that would be so amazing is what if you could have, you know, impromptu parent teacher conferences with, again, the yeah. super intelligent assistant, right? They could tell you some really important things about how your student's doing and how their momentum is looking and what their confidence level is looking like. I mean, that would be so valuable as a parent. When my, you know, like everybody, everybody else, I assume, you know, your kids come home and you ask them what they did at school and it's like, eh, nothing. How was school today? Fine, right? Like you just don't know very much. And so we want to give parents tools and, and empower them just as much as we want to anybody else. But we just want to make sure we want, we do that in the right way. And so working with you know, the districts that we're working with right now, we want to make sure that that we're accounting for those use cases without overstepping our bounds when it comes to privacy and security, things like that. So hopefully as we as we get further down the road, we'll have uh, some more concrete answers there. But we definitely something we're thinking about. Yeah. And this is something that I don't know that anybody has an answer to right now on my other podcast, uh, Cyber Traps, we talk about this stuff a lot. And and that's one of the areas where nobody has a good answer yet because it's still so new and so many things are not figured out yet. And so hopefully my my dream, Kalen, is that we can figure those things out uh, before we have lawsuits about it so that, you know, so that we can not be forced by the law to make those uh, appropriate decisions, but that we can build some of those things in already so that it's uh, it's it's easier for us to to manage it all. So that's one of my yeah. hopes. We'll we'll Good see point. what happens. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any closing words before we sign off? What are you What are you most excited about for the future? Uh, what are you What are you most looking forward to being able to create and serve uh, schools with? Uh, anything like that? I think what I'm most excited about. I mean, for for me personally, again, I think what I'm motivated is by giving giving people powerful tools. And I, personally, I just love building things. Right. I love creating. Uh, things that people use and find useful and that and that they get value from. And whether that's a, you know, a, a class where they're learning how to write software and they can go get their next job or whether it's helping kids to sort of discover that they are empowered and they can do whatever they want in their lives or whether it's helping teachers to finally feel like they're not just uh, treading water or not even staying above water. 
Um, that, that's what motivates me and keeps me going. And one of the things that's so exciting about this field right now is we're just getting started, right? We are just on the very beginning, um, you know, reps uh, or, or laps around the track of this AI, don't want to overstate it here, but this AI revolution, that's really going to change a lot of how we interact with software and how we use products and how we engage with, uh, with even, you know, our, our kids as teachers, right? And that's what's exciting for me is like, we are already seeing some amazing things happen and we're seeing teachers' eyes you know, just like light up and they're so excited and it's like, well, we're just barely getting started. So hopefully this is just a, a taste of what's to come. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about that too. Well, uh, Kaylin, if people want to reach out to you and chat more, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, you can either email me Kaylin at schoolai.com. Uh, my name is spelled kind of weird, but it's C-A-H-L-A-N, or you can find me on Twitter. Same thing, Twitter slash Kaylin, C-A-H-L-A-N. Okay. Sounds good. Kaylin, thanks so much for being part of Transformative Principle today. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jethro.